This is July 22, and every day is a holiday with Mary Stone. This is our podcast celebrating every day of everyone's life. Our message is simple, and it is that we are all of one spirit. What does that mean? It means that all those who believe in a power greater than themselves are united rather than divided. We are all of one spirit. Holidays, holy days, happy days. We celebrate life, love, loss, and legacy. This is our Commonwealth. Today is the feast day of Mary Magdalene, a Jewish woman who, according to texts included in the New Testament, traveled with Jesus as one of his followers. She is said to have witnessed Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection. Within the four Gospels, she is named at least 12 times, more than most of the apostles. The Gospel of Luke says seven demons had gone out of her, and the longer ending of Mark says Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. She is most prominent in the narrative of the crucifixion of Jesus, at which she was present, and the witness in all four Gospels of the empty tomb the central fact of Jesus' resurrection. She was also present two days later, immediately following the Sabbath, when, according to all four canonical Gospels, she was, either alone or as a member of a group of women, the first to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. John 20 and Mark 16.9 specifically name her as the first person to see Jesus after his resurrection. Ideas that go beyond the gospel presentation of Mary Magdalene as a prominent representative of women who follow Jesus have been put forward over the centuries. Mary Magdalene is considered to be a saint by the Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Anglican, and Lutheran churches, with the feast day of July 22. Other Protestant churches honor her as a heroine of the faith. The Eastern Orthodox churches also commemorate her on the Sunday of the Mirror Bearers, the Orthodox equivalent to one of the Western Three Martyr Mary's traditions. During the Middle Ages, Mary Magdalene was regarded in Western Christianity as a repentant prostitute or promiscuous woman, claims not found in any four of the canonical Gospels. The identity of Mary Magdalene is believed to have been merged with the identity of an unnamed sinner who anoints Jesus' feet in Luke 7, 36-50. Mary Magdalene, the anointing sinner of Luke, and Mary of Bethany, who in John 11, 1-2, also anoints Jesus' feet, were long regarded as the same person. Though Mary Magdalene is named in each of the four Gospels in the New Testament, None of the clear references to her indicate that she was a prostitute or notable for a sinful way of life, nor link her with Mary of Bethany. Although the the notion of Mary Magdalene being a repentant sinner can be traced far back as Ephraim, the Syrian, in the 4th century, the notion of her being a former prostitute or loose woman dates to a claim by Pope Gregory I, known as Gregory the Great made it an influential homily in around which he identified Magdalene not only with the anonymous sinner with the perfume in Luke's gospel, but also with Mary of Bethany, 
the sister of Martha and Lazarus. This interpretation is often called the composite Magdalene in modern scholarship. The seven devils removed from her by Jesus morphed into the seven capital sins, and Mary Magdalene began to be contemned not only for lust, but for pride and covetousness as well. This woman can't catch a break. She, whom Luke calls the sinful woman, whom John calls Mary, we believe to be Mary, from whom the seven devils were ejected, according to Mark. What did these seven devils signify, if not all the vices? It is clear that the woman previously used the ungent to perfume her flesh in forbidden acts. What she therefore displayed more scandalously, she has, was now offering to God in a more praiseworthy manner. She had coveted the earthly eyes, but now through penitence, these are consumed with tears. She displayed her hair to set off her face, but now her hair dries her tears. She had spoken proud things with her mouth, but in kissing the Lord's feet, she now planted her mouth on the Redeemer's feet. For every delight, therefore, she had in herself, she now emolated herself. She turned the mass of her crimes to virtues in order to serve God entirely in penance, says Pope Gregory the Great. The aspect of the repentant sinner became almost equally significant as the disciple in her persona as depicted in Western art and religious literature, fitting well with the great importance of penitence in medieval theology. In subsequent religious legend, Mary's story became conflated with that of St. Mary of Egypt, a repentant prostitute who then lived as a hermit. With that, Mary's image was, according to Susan Haskins, author of Mary Magdalene, Myth and Metaphor, finally settled for nearly 1,400 years, although in fact, the most important late medieval popular accounts of her life describe her as a rich woman whose life of sexual freedom is purely for pleasure. The composite Magdalene was never accepted by the Eastern Orthodox churches, who only saw Mary the disciple and believed that after the resurrection, she lived as a companion to the Virgin Mary, and not even in the West was it universally accepted. Professor Barry Wilson and Simka Jacobici, the authors of The Lost Gospel, the ancient manuscript that claims Jesus married Magdalene and had children. An excerpt is as follows. We have uncovered an ancient writing that is encrypted with a hidden meaning. In the process of decoding it, we'll take you on a journey into the world of this mysterious text. What the Vatican feared, and Dan Brown only suspected, has come true. There is now written evidence that Jesus was married to Mary Magdalene and that he had children together with her. More than this, based on the new evidence, we now know that the original Jesus movement looked like and, and the unexpected role sexuality played in it. We have even unraveled the politics behind the crucifixion, as well as the events and the people that took part in it. 
Gathering Dust in the British Library is a document that takes us into the missing years of Jesus's life. Scholars believe that Jesus was born around 5 BC and that he was crucified around 30 AD. But there is a huge gap in his biography. We know absolutely nothing about Jesus from the time he was eight days old, his circumcision, according to Jewish law, until he was in his early 30s. There is one exception. According to the Gospel of Luke, 2.41 to 2.51, when he was 12 years old, Jesus traveled with his parents to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. That's it. That's all we have. Otherwise, 30 years of absolute silence. Isn't this incredible? Here is arguably the most influential individual in human history, and we know nothing about him until after he starts his ministry, i.e., his public activism, at most three years before his crucifixion. But the fact is that we simply have no information about Jesus's early years, his upbringing, friends, schooling, or his interaction with family members. We have no knowledge of Jesus as a young adult. How did he gain access to the writings of the Hebrew Bible? Did the synagogue in Nazareth, a very small hamlet at the time, have scrolls of the laws and the prophets? Who were his religious teachers? How well versed was he in Hebrew, in addition to the Aramaic that we know he spoke? Did he speak Greek, the lingua franca of the Roman world? Jesus appears on the stage of history suddenly in the late 20s CE. At this point, the mature Jesus announces the kingdom of God, that is, the advent of a qualitative transformation in human history, prophesized by the Hebrew Bible, in which justice will reign upon the earth and the worship of the one true God will be universal. But what happened to Jesus before this sudden appearance? According to the document that we have uncovered, sometime during the period he became engaged, got married, had sexual relations, and produced children. Before anyone gets his or her theological backup, keep in mind that the writers are not attacking anyone's theology. They are reporting on a text. Theology must follow historical fact and not the other way around. Having said this, for the moment, the writers are not asserting that their text is historical fact. So for, they are merely stating that the Christian Bible tells us nothing about Jesus' early years and that we have discovered, they, a text, a text that claims that he was married and fathered children. The writers continue to say on a purely historical level, this really shouldn't surprise us. Marriage and children were expected of a Jewish man, then and now. If he hadn't been married, he would have caused consternation to his family, possible scandal in the community, and the New Testament certainly would have commented on it if for no other reason than to explain and defend Jesus's unusual behavior. But now we have a document that claims he was indeed married and fathered children. Not only this, our document indicates for some of his original followers, Jesus's marriage was the most important aspect of their theology. So there you have it. There's always a holiday somewhere on this planet. Find a reason for joy and share it. Thank you for sharing your time with us. 
I'm Mary Stone, the irreverent interfaith reverend, with my writing partner, the holy mess, and holy nice, Brian O'Malley. <laughs>